You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Uh, well, in the book of Ephesians tonight, I want to preach a little bit about spiritual warfare. We talk a good bit about spiritual warfare. We see it here in this passage, and we're going to just deal with a couple of these verses as we think in particularly about the Satanic Coalition is what I want to entitle tonight's message, the Satanic Coalition. We oftentimes say that we are uh, battling the devil. Um, The devil is not an omnipresent being, so if if I'm battling the devil, that means nobody else in the world is at that moment. Uh, but he does have a coalition, and I often wonder if uh, if I've ever battled the devil. Uh, you know, I, I would think perhaps not. Uh, but regardless, he's got a serious and powerful coalition that we kind of call the devil, if, if you will. Um, but uh, as we consider this tonight, let's let's begin with our text in Ephesians six verse ten, and I want to try to deal with this uh, as quickly but also as thoroughly as possible because it is such an important subject since I am not speaking to anyone that's not involved in this struggle. So it's pretty important because it's real easy for people to be sitting out there thinking that doesn't pertain to me. But it absolutely pertains to you. In Ephesians 6 verse 10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, the, uh, uh, spiritual wickedness I'm sorry, in high places. Then it says, wherefore, take any the whole armor of God. And we'll talk about that later. But verse 12 actually gives us a little bit about the satanic coalition. We're going to examine that especially tonight. But we're going to deal with all these verses and just uh, this principle throughout Scripture in general. But first, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, which is our perhaps our greatest weapon uh, in spiritual warfare. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege of being here tonight. I thank you for everybody that's here, Lord. And God, I just pray for the victory, dear Lord, tonight. And uh, thank God we have victory, God, but we've just got to recognize it. We just have to claim it. And I just pray that you'll help us to be wise tonight, dear Lord. Satan is indeed uh, a wise opponent. Uh, His emissaries are wise opponents. But God, I'm glad that uh, even though we may be no match for he and his uh, demons in and of ourselves, I'm glad that in the Lord we can and are strong, Lord. So help us tonight. And we'll thank you for that, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I dare say tonight that every one of you is here tonight in one measure or the other because you have uh, had some measure of victory in spiritual warfare. Otherwise, I'm telling you, you wouldn't be here at all. But you're here because uh, whether you feel like, you may feel bruised and battered tonight, uh, but uh, both physically and spiritually, but uh, the fact of the matter is, is that there's victory. We can be strong in the Lord, and being strong in the Lord doesn't always mean we feel great. 
Uh, but being strong in the Lord is the fact that we persevere and we keep on keeping on and we help one another uh, and encourage one another. And we don't, that's, that's one reason we don't try to act like super saints and things like that. That's one reason we want to be transparent about uh, our struggles and our frustrations and everything so that we can help one another along. Um, and so, and he begins with that, a word of encouragement. Verse number 10, sooner or later, every believer discovers that the Christian life is a battleground and not a playground. And that he faces an enemy who is much stronger than he is. Now, apart from the Lord. Uh, but from apart from the Lord, I'm telling you, uh, I've, heard, I've heard people talk about, I just love to get in a dark alley one time with the devil. I'm thinking, man, you wouldn't come out, amen? Not in your own street. Uh, but that Paul should use the military to illustrate the believer's conflict with Satan is very reasonable. He himself was chained to a Roman soldier as he wrote these words. Uh, and his readers were certainly familiar with the soldier's equipment. And of course, that kind of leads into where this text goes as it deals with the armor of the Lord. As Christians, we face three enemies. Anybody know what they are? The world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, the world, and, uh, and, and you, th- you see these throughout Scripture, um, the world refers to the system around us that is opposed to God that caters to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And those three things I just mentioned are in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Uh, You could say that the world is society apart from God. Uh, so the world. So when it talks about the world, it's not necessarily people. People may, people may be are and are indeed of the world. But one of the big things to always understand in this, the world is not, the world as far as people is concerned, people are not our enemies. We'll say more about that in just a second. But the world refers to a system. It refers to society, as you could say, apart from God. Uh, it, was, it was a pretty... I don't know, an interesting point to me several years ago when I was studying Psalm 1 and the Bible talks about, you know, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And I don't know about you, but when I think about ungodly, um, my mind goes pretty severe, I guess. Extreme, ungodly. This ungodly person, you know, it's just like, oh, they're horrible. But ungodly an ungodly person is just somebody that does not take God into account just doesn't take God into account so when it talks about taking counsel from the ungodly it's not saying that you're taking counsel from some criminal or some very immoral or you know licentious person or something it may be the great, a great person but the counsel they're giving you does not take God into account does not take scripture. So an ungodly person is just simply someone who is not considering God, does not take God into account. They may be fine people as far as that's concerned. And so though they may not be our enemies, they may be giving us poor advice because they are not taking God into account. So there's that ungodly nature of that. But so the, the world and then the flesh, the flesh is the old nature that we inherited from Adam. It is a nature that is opposed to God and could do nothing spiritual to please God. And that's so important. We preach about that a lot around here. But I'm telling you, there's people that get saved and almost act like their flesh got saved. Almost act like their old nature got saved. My old nature is just as bad as it was a week before I got saved. I mean, it's not different. It's not changed. 
And if, and if I'm living a different life now, it's not because I've gotten my old nature better. It's because I've died to my old nature and I'm letting the new nature, uh, the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit live through me. It's not about reforming the old nature. The Bible says there's one thing to do with the flesh and that's to crucify it. And we have too many people. You better believe it. Every day I die daily, the Apostle Paul said. So, and, and I say that because I'm telling you, there's a lot of preaching and teaching today that almost seems like it's you know, based on our uh, you know, getting the old man better. And, and it's just like, man, the old man is bad. The old man is terrible. And, and are we not reminded of that from time to time? If you've, if you've not been through a trial or a temptation lately... Maybe you haven't been reminded. But if you go through a trial or if you go through a temptation, you get to be reminded of who you are apart from Christ. You get to be reminded of that old nature, those terrible thoughts and whatever else. And so the flesh is just as wicked as it's ever been. But praise God, in Christ's death and resurrection, He overcame the world. John 16.33, He says, I've overcome the world. And He overcame the flesh. Galatians 2.20 I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Amen. And He's overcome the devil. Ephesians 1.19-23 In other words, as believers, we do not fight for victory. In a sense we may, but in truth, we fight from victory. The Spirit of God enables us by faith to appropriate Christ's victory for ourselves. Victory is ours. The child of God has no excuse for living a defeated life. We are. The Bible does not say that we can become conquerors. The Bible says we are more than conquerors. Amen. We are. And the, 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 the thing that we fail to do is to recognize that. The thing we fail to do is to lay hold on that. The thing we fail to do sometimes is to see the invisible. And we just see the invisible. We, or we just see the visible. We just see our current situations. But we are enabled. I mean, to, we just need to appropriate. We need to claim that victory in our lives. No matter what it is you're going through. And, and, and that's one of the things that we face, by the way, going back to the flesh. That's what we run into sometimes. Man, I'm just so weak. I can't do this. I Blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, yeah, duh. You know, that's you. But what we've got to do is by faith, lay hold and say, God, I can't do this. But Lord, with your help, I can. You can help me. You will help me. You've promised to help me. And that's one of the reasons why prayer and the Word of God are so essential in this battle. Because we pray and we, we get connected with God. But number two, we know the Word of God, so we're able to claim these verses for our lives. We're able to quote these verses for our lives. It's not just to make us more pious people that we learn Scripture and are in the Word of God daily, folks. It is vital. I mean, it is, it, it is us getting uh, ready to go out to battle. It's making sure that our swords are sharpened. It's making sure that our guns are ready to fire. It's making sure that you know we've got what we need in order to face the enemy. Because let me tell you something. You are going to face the enemy right here in this service tonight. You're going to face the enemy when you go out, when you go home, and when you go to your job tomorrow. You are going to be facing the enemy. And so getting in the Word and praying is not um, you know, just these pious recommendations. Man, it is vital for us as God's people, as God's soldiers. And so in these closing verses of the letter, Paul discussed four topics to his readers. And, and we're, we're going to deal specifically with, again, the satanic coalition. But we'll begin with verse number 11. The Bible says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
So first of all, it's a word of enlightenment. It gives a word of encouragement, but then it gives in verse 10, but then a word of enlightenment in verse number 11. First of all, he talks about our protection, the armor of God. The armor of God. So as we think about the enemy, uh, he gives the armor of God. But what we find out is this. Intelligence plays a vital part in warfare because it enables the officers to know and understand the enemy. So when I talk about intelligence tonight, I'm not talking about from the IQ standpoint. I'm thinking if we're talking about a warfare, about knowing the enemy. Knowing the actions and the movements of the enemy. We need to know these things. And so, intelligence. Now, it is, it is foolish. It is the height of foolishness to ignore good intelligence. And folks, we have good intelligence on our enemy. We have good intelligence right here in the Word of God. And it's very important that we follow this intelligence, that we get into the Word of God. Some of us in our pride hear what God's Word said, yet, yet we do opposite. Uh, that's foolish. We're going to lose the battle when we do this. God's Word doesn't always make sense. God's ways don't always make sense. But folks, God's ways are higher than our, way, our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So we can trust Him and we can follow Him. Unless we know, number one, who the enemy is, where he is, and what he can do, we will have a difficult time defeating him. And I, if, I, if I say tonight, who is the enemy, we need to know who the enemy is, there's a bunch of you sitting out there tonight that may just say, well, that's pretty obvious. But I tell you, sometimes if we look at our actions, all of a sudden, is it so obvious? And we'll get more to that in just a moment. But we need to know who, who our enemy is. Uh, not only in Ephesians 6, but throughout the entire Bible, God instructs us about the enemy. So there's no reason for us to be caught off guard. So we, we see our protection, the whole armor of God that we'll talk about uh, in the coming weeks. But we see our protagonist. Verse number 11 again, the Bible says that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's the leader. The enemy has different, many different names in the Bible. I would go this far. The devil has many different aliases. He has different disguises. And I'm telling you, it's laid out for us right here in the Word of God. And we need to be faithful to, uh, to be wise and follow what God's Word says. Does anybody know what the word devil means? And I know there's a couple of these, but the devil means accuser. Accuser. He's the accuser because he accuses God's people day and night before the throne of God. Satan. Anybody know what Satan means? Adversary. Satan means adversary because he's the enemy of God. He's also called the tempter. You been tempted lately? He's the tempter. Uh, uh, Matthew 4 verse 3. He, he, he led Jesus into the wilderness to tempt Him. He's a murderer. And he's a liar. The Bible said Jesus tells us that in John 8, 44, that he's a murderer and he's a liar. He, he's also compared to a lion. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, as a, a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, uh, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Amen? But he's a lion. 
And he's called a dragon in the book of Revelation. He's called a serpent in Genesis 3.1 as well as Revelation 12.9. So he is not called these terrible beasts uh, just for fun. Man, he would devour us. He would devour you. Let me tell you something about Satan. He does not play fair. He will kick you when you're down. Anybody? I mean, He will kick you when you're down. He does not care. He has no mercy whatsoever. Uh, He's a lion. He's a serpent. He's a snake. And He's called this. He's called an angel of light. He appears as an angel of light. And this talks specifically about His work in false religion and in the occult and so forth. But He appears as an angel of light. Uh, just, Just because something has the name of God or some churchy church kind of name on it does not mean it's of God. Just because it's smiling and carrying a Bible doesn't mean it's of God. Just because it's it's a man with a suit and tie on doesn't mean it's of God. I mean, he appears as an angel of light. Uh, And he's also called the God of this world. We defined the world earlier, this world, this society without God. Uh, In the original creation, he was Lucifer, the son of the morning. If you'd like to look at that uh, later, that's in Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15. He was cast down because of his pride and his desire to occupy God's throne. There's many mysteries connected with the origin of Satan, but what he is doing and where he is going are certainly no mystery. God lets us know about who he is, and we need to learn to recognize this. Alright, so now a a word of enablement now. Look at verse number 12. The Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Let me tell you something about wrestling. You don't wrestle from a distance. Wrestling is close. Wrestling is hand to hand, face to face. I mean, you can feel the breath. You can look into the eyes. I mean, folks, we wrestle. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so let's look first of all at the arena. The arena. This is not an ordinary battle. The important point is that our battle is not against human beings. It's not. It's against the spiritual powers. Um... And, 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 and we're, we're wasting our time when we fight people. When we ought to be fighting the devil. He's the one who seeks to control people. And yes, He uses people. But we've got to understand that He is indeed using these people. We have to take a stand in everything. But the, thing, the moment that we look at somebody and say, that's my enemy and I want to take them down, folks, we have forgotten who the enemy is. We've forgotten who the enemy is. We, we, we need to fight against the devil. He seeks to control people and to oppose the work of Almighty God. During Paul's ministry in Ephesus, a riot took place that could have destroyed the church. And you can read about this in Acts 19. It wasn't caused only by Demetrius and his associates because behind them were Satan and his associates. So certainly Paul and the church prayed and the opposition was silenced. The advice of the king of Syria to his soldiers can be applied to our spiritual battle. Fight neither with small nor great, save only the king. That's in 1 Kings 22 verse 31. And I want to say something here about Satan's work in people. 
Did you know that the fact that Satan is the one that has people blinded, which we know the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it speaks about those uh, that, uh, that, that, that have been uh, blinded by the God of this world. First, 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians 4.4 4, uh, that's been blinded by the God of this world, speaking of Satan. But I want to say that, that I, as I was studying this, I, I, I found a little bit of encouragement in that. He said, how could you find encouragement in that? Because here's what I thought. It means there's hope. Because again, when we don't see things properly, sometimes we can see the blindness of our loved ones, the blindness of our friends. We can just, and, and we, can, we look at their deception. And if we're not careful, we just think of that as who they really are. Yeah. Uh, but just like the scales one day fell from our eyes, just as the shackles one day were broken off of our hands and feet spiritually, hallelujah, it can happen to them too. Just like that. I mean, the Apostle Paul was breathing out threatenings and murders, and I'm telling you, he was on his way to carry out more. And just like that, the Lord appeared to him. Just like that, God spoke. Just like that, he was uh, blinded physically, but his eyes were open spiritually. Amen? And I'm telling you, just like that, God can save that soul. Just like that, God can change your loved one around and my loved one around. I mean, listen, it's just people that are blinded and they can be saved. So, it's not an ordinary battle, but I want to tell you, it's an occult battle. The Bible says we wrestle. Now, since Satan is a created being, I, I led with this tonight, he's not eternal as God is. He's limited in his knowledge and in his activity. Wherever Satan is is where Satan is. God is everywhere at once. Satan is not in China and here tonight at the same time. He's not an omnipresent being. He's not an eternal being. He's not all-knowing. He's not all-powerful. And he's not everywhere present. So how does he accomplish so much in so many different parts of the world? And the answer is his coalition, his organized helpers. Paul called them principalities. This is the list of them. Who are we fighting against? Principalities, powers, rulers, spiritual wickedness in high places. And with, with the help of God, I want to deal with those uh, in the time that we have left uh, this evening. Alright, so... Uh, Principalities, powers, rulers, spiritual wickedness in high places. This suggests a definite army of demonic creatures that assist Satan in his attacks against believers. The Apostle John hinted that one-third of the angels fell when Satan rebelled against God in Revelation 12, verse 4. And a spiritual battle is going on in this world. A spiritual battle is going on in this church tonight. And every time that we meet... I mean, the spiritual battle is going on constantly around us. We, 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 we see this in the Word of God. Uh, there's, a, there's a spiritual battle going on in the, in the heavenly sphere. And you and I are a part of this battle. And knowing this makes walking in victory a vitally important thing to us and to God. So first of all, let's look at Satan's crowned dignitaries. We're going to look first of all at the principalities. Principality means chief. Chief ruler or magistrate. So these are listed, I believe, in an order. In like a military order. Principalities. High-ranking fallen angels that are under His control. The Word indicates that these princes are the highest order. 
Daniel wrote that Satan's angels struggle against God's angels for the control of the affair of the nations. I would encourage you to read Daniel chapter number 10. Verses 13 through 20, uh, the, prince, the prince of Grecia, the prince of Persia. And I'm telling you, it's an interesting thing how there's, uh, there's high-ranking demons that are working with the, lead, the world leaders around this globe today. There's demons that are especially assigned to different countries. And then it kind of breaks down from there. We believe, and of course, some of, this, uh, some of this is not supposition. We understand for sure what I just said. But then the idea, even just given, if you remember the fact that when the man was possessed, the, the, the demoniac uh, that came out, uh, you know, that, that was possessed with a legion of demons. And if you remember, they said, uh, they said, don't make us depart out of the country. See, there's a lot that seems to indicate, number one, the Bible teaches in Daniel that these are demons over the world, demon over different kings and different leaders. In the book of Revelation, the Bible sends forth the three uh, frogs, and, but that's, it's, it's a picture of three demons. And what do they do? They go forth to, to deceive the kings of the nations. So we see that they're working over nations, but then based on not only the, 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 what I mentioned there about the Gadarene, uh, they did not want to leave that country. It was a place that they wanted to work. And let me, let me go even further than that. The Bible often warns about familiar spirits. Familiar comes from the word family. And so there are, there's demonic activity, I believe, from the highest down to the very, uh, from the, a big scale down to a low scale. And, and there's some of that that you could debate, but I'm telling you, I think there's uh, good proof for that in the Word of God, though there is uh, maybe a little speculation involved in there. But, uh, but we see this. Not only do we see the principalities, but we also see the conquering deputies. We see the powers. Powers uh, talks about delegated authority. Those working independently to carry out Satan's schemes. Um, so as I talk about this tonight, I understand that if somebody listens to the podcast, or I doubt that somebody could be like this here tonight, but it's really easy to think, ooh, yeah, okay, there's demons everywhere. You know, are you going off the deep end or what? But so, you know, but it reminds me that modern man is much in the same plight as 17th century man. In 1665, London was in the grip of the Great Plague. People were dying by the thousands faster than they could be buried. Corpses were stacked like cordwood outside stricken houses and were carted away hastily to dug pits on the outskirts of the city. Businesses came to a halt. Court disbanded. People fled London, taking the disease with them. Nobody knew the cause of the plague. The most common notion was that the air caused it. So people sealed up their homes to keep contaminated air outside. They, they, in, while they were inside, they would burn noxious material in, the, in their fireplaces to help drive out the deadly air, they thought. They would sometimes bury their nose in flowers. Out of ignorance, they disregarded the most basic rules of sanitation and hygiene. Open sewers ran down the street. Rats and vermin multiplied and their fleas spread the plague. The people were, able to, were, were unable to see any link between their unsanitary conditions and the spread of the plague. Now, what's that got to do with spiritual warfare? If someone could go back in time to 1665 and walk out and, let, and, and, and announce to everyone, Hey, folks, the plague is being spread by bacteria. <coughs> back who? Bacteria. 
See, the people wouldn't pay much attention. The people would think you were crazy. They would not believe that there could be germs that were so small that they could not be seen with the naked eye. Or that millions of germs could, could be formed in a drop of ditch water. People knew nothing about germs or viruses. They would have laughed scornfully at anyone who tried to explain the real source of their troubles. You see the connection? Since germs could not be seen, smelled, touched, heard, or tasted, no one would suspect that they could have caused the plague. But I'm telling you, that's today how people are in the world that we live in. Folks, they are being affected by Satan and his coalition. They are being plagued by sin. They're being plagued by demonic activity and demonic influence. And when you try to tell them that, they're thinking, man, I don't see nothing. But you see the results of it. And you see the root of it. And now, I would not in this message try to minimize the depravity of man and how wicked men are and sinful in and of themselves. Don't misunderstand me. I know that. This isn't a devil made me do it thing because we have a will. But at the same time, it's people. It, it, Satan's main tool is deception. He's deceiving people. And of course, our fallen nature goes right along with that. But it's, it's, it's much like people today don't believe in evil spirits. Some may be interested in the occult, fascinated with ghosts and witches, and the idea uh, you know, that draws more uh, people into the parapsychology and everything. And by the way, we need to be careful about that stuff today. Amen. We're surrounded by it. And I'm telling you, you need to be real careful about the, the influences of the occult and how much some of that stuff is becoming mainstream. I mean, TV shows and uh, cartoons and all kinds of stuff are, uh, are, infl- are bringing in these influences. And it may seem harmless, but I'm telling you, it's something we need to be mindful of. Uh, but you think about it, it's, it's an interesting thing to consider as we think about the fact that Satan has organized and launched a diabolical plot against the human race. See, people stop at the idea that evil spirits, ruthless in their hatred for mankind, are dedicated to keeping people in bondage, sin, and shame. Why can we not halt the drug trade that's destroying countless lives and damning souls? Why is it so hard to pass laws against uh, alcohol? And why has sodomy become acceptable? Why has, what, what is wrong with people today? You ever ask that question? Why is pornography such a big uh, business? Why can we not see, uh, why can we not see uh, more uh, strict uh, laws about child abuse and, and, and abortion passed? Why, why are people literally going to boycott a state if they don't allow people to kill a baby after it's born? What's wrong with people? Now understand something. Man is so depraved and so deprived. The Bible says that we can become past feeling. And we live in a society uh, with people that are past feeling. In other words, it's just like a callus. They don't feel it anymore. And I'm telling you, they are deluded. You read about it in Romans chapter 1. You read about it in Ephesians chapter 5. We talked about that phrase, past feeling. But I'm telling you, it's Satan deception that's working with that fallen nature. Um... The, the horrors, you know, we think back to the, to the Nazi prison camps, the Spanish Inquisition. You just go on and on and on. Why can we not stop uh, the war or ban apocalyptic weapons and so forth? The Bible makes it clear the human race is being manipulated by vast numbers of evil spirits who have great power. They encourage lust, greed, hate, fear, selfishness, and pride. 
Yes, these are all things that are part of our fallen nature. But I'm telling you, we live in a world where these things are propagated. I mean, my goodness, folks, we've got to be on guard today. We need to learn to identify the enemy. But the human race has already been invaded. By the way, I, I, I skipped a bit there about people looking for extraterrestrials and all that stuff. But folks, the human race has already been invaded from outer space, so to speak. And is held in bondage by awesome powers. People in general do not know that. People refuse to believe it when they are told that. They do not realize that they have no hope apart from the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a time to where just like the people back during the days of the plague, people are trying to find flowers uh, to, to bury their noses in. I mean, they're trying to seal themselves off. They're trying all these things that are not working. I'm telling you, I thank God for people that are working within our country and around the world. I thank God for the preachers and we're seeing God do great things in this world. But I'm telling you, all along we see that the world continues to get worse. And I'm telling you, the hope, the hope for this country uh, is not in Washington, D.C. It's in the church house. It's in you and me. It's in one person at a time making a difference in one person at a time. And it's, it's, that, that's where it's at. And, but folks, sometimes we think if we can just... Uh, man, I, I was alarmed when I was in Washington, D.C. And I'll just share this with you quickly. I was alarmed just because uh, the, the conservative people were rejoicing so much for all the, 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 the advances we've made in the judiciary over uh, this, the, the last couple of years. There's been hundreds, I mean uh, several hundreds of conservative, and, and, and if nothing else, I thank God for what they're pushing for. The, 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 the conservative movement is trying to push for people on the bench that will, that will just agree that they're going to try to follow the law. They just want to go by the Constitution. Uh, and so, man, there's great advances in that. And, and they're talking about trying to you know, get more on the Supreme Court and everything. And, and, and when all, all that's well and good, I'm just thinking to myself, man, why isn't there any talk about limiting the power of these courts? Why isn't there any talk about limiting? I mean, you look at, uh, you look at the Constitution of the United States of America. I mean, you look at the Declaration of Independence. One of the, one of the grievances was over the, the power. The judiciary in our country... Um, is not the hope for our country. I'll just go on to say that. Amen. And if we went back to the founders, we would understand that and we would take away these lifetime appointments and all this other stuff. Uh, but, but, but the point is, our hope is not in that. Our hope is in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and people are doing all these other things trying to uh, get by. People are trying to get educated. People are trying to... How about people that go to rehab? I'm not mad. I mean, I'm glad for people that try to get help. And I'm, I appreciate people that are trying to help people. But I'm telling you, all they're doing is shoving a, a flower in their nose. And I'm telling you, they don't need that. They need the gospel. Amen? They need Christ. There's a spiritual battle going on there. And it's going to take the power of the gospel and the Holy Ghost of God uh, to help us to overcome. I mean, whatever it is that we're facing, whatever it is that we're fighting... Hope that at least we can recognize the enemy and we can recognize the source of our victory being the power of the Holy Ghost of God, the power of the Word of God. And uh, following Him. And so uh, the rulers of the darkness of this world is, uh, is the next one quickly. Capable deceivers. This means world rulers. Satan's plan can be summed up in a word. I've mentioned it already. Deception. He keeps people in a state of philosophical, religious, political, social, and personal blindness. You know the Lord wants us to be wise? Not just scripturally wise. He wants us to be wise in the way we live our lives. But I'm telling you, 
so good wisdom. The Bible talks about that there's a wisdom that comes from above in the book of James. And the Bible talks about there's a devilish wisdom. And we need to make sure that we are living our lives dictated by the wisdom from above, not from the devilish wisdom that the Bible talks about there again in the book of James. Every false philosophy, I'm telling you, he's got a legion of evil, evil spirits whose supreme task it is to fasten false ideologies uh, like sh- iron shackles to the souls of men. Cults, communism, evolution, humanism. I mean, uh, false philosophy, all these things that he's, he's shackling people with. But praise God, there's hope, amen? But the hope is the gospel and people need to recognize their need for Christ. And so capable deceivers. Uh, We ask, why can't they see it? They're blinded, amen. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. And let me just say something here real quick about this as far as the church is concerned, as far as our lives are concerned. I know when people start getting pests in their house. I, I, I remember years ago I read about a... I didn't read about it. I was hearing the preacher talk about that they lived out in the country and they kind of lived out in the field. And he said they'd, they would get rats in the house. If you ever get anything in your house, uh, a lot of times the first thing you try to do is find out where are they getting in at. And a lot of times they'll go around and they can find a hole, uh, sometimes a really small hole that a, you know, a vermin or a bat or something like that, God forbid, uh, can get in. Uh, doesn't take much for them critters to get in. But I remember him telling this story, and he said what they would use. They lived in this house. They started getting like field rats in their house. It was just a, it was a, you know, a pretty rustic, uh, uh, almost a little bit better than a shack, but wasn't much to it. He said what they'd do, and some of you uh, uh, folks my age and older will know what I'm talking about, but they'd take the, the metal coffee lids. Those tin lids or whatever they were. And they would take those and they would find every hole they could and they would nail those tin lids to the floor. Wherever the holes were at. They'd try to seal up that hole. And, uh, and, try to, and, and, and they'd seal up one that, that something would get in. They'd say, there must be another hole. And let me tell you something. As God's people and as the church, you know what we need to do? We need to make sure that we're not a stupid hole. Amen? We've got to be on guard. Every one of us. Every one of us have to be on guard. You know, I don't know what's going on when we talk about the youth and everything, but young people, you've got to watch out. Don't be the person with the attitude. Don't be the person with the unforgiving spirit. Don't be the person that's, you know, bringing unnecessary things in. Every one of us. We've got to be careful in our homes. I mean, let me tell you something. Satan intentionally, I believe Satan looked back and saw, he didn't just come up to Eve one day. I believe he, I believe he did a little bit of surveillance. And I believe he said, Eve is the one I'm going to. I'm going to the emotional one. I'm going to Eve. And guess what? He got in through Eve. Be careful not to let Satan through with you. With your temper. With your lust. With your unforgiving spirit. Look with me quickly to to the context of one of these many passages in spiritual warfare. Please uh, turn over with me everyone to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to show you this. Be careful. I mean, and and I'm telling you, I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to me. Be careful when you start getting crossways with your brother or your sister. Look at this, this is interesting. Um, We're going to go back, and I'm going to give you the context here real quickly. This is 2 Corinthians, some of you know this. Um, The best we can tell, and I believe this to be true, that the church of Corinth, when Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians... They were permissive. 
They were celebrating their liberty in Christ and their being a grace church. They were so happy and proud about that that they had a man that was committing adultery with his mother-in-law that was an active member with good standing within the church. Hey, man, we're, we're, we're a progressive, you know. We're, we're an emerging church, and we accept those kind of things. There's, there's those churches that are still here today. Uh, but, but Paul wrote to them and said, that is not grace. That is not right. You need to deal with this immediately. You need to, this man needs to be taken out of the church. He needs to be taken off the membership. Uh, and and we, we have to believe that he, that they would have followed the, the rules of the apostle, or that Jesus Christ gave. First go to them, confront them about their sin. Um, but that's what happened, it seems like. They went and said, man, you can't be committing adultery with your mother-in-law, or your stepmom, I'm sorry, not your mother-in-law, I think it's your mother-in-law, your stepmom. You can't be doing that. That's sinful. Uh, and so we're going to have to, and he's like, no, no. And before they could exercise any discipline, man, he breaks down and he says, oh my goodness, I'm sorry. I want to get right with God. I'm repenting of this sin. I'm getting things right. Well, so it's so funny. Sometimes we overcorrect. A lot of accidents happen when you overcorrect. Overcorrecting is when you're driving down the road and you start swerving this way and you start running this way and all of a sudden you realize it and you jerk this way. There's a lot of people that die from overcorrecting or get in accidents for overcorrecting. Well, they overcorrected. Churches overcorrect. Preachers overcorrect. Christians overcorrect. That's where a lot of uh, bad spirits and pharisaical stuff can come in sometimes. They overcorrect. But the Corinthians overcorrected. This man repented. This man got it right. And they said, too bad, buddy. We're still holding it against you. You know, we're, we're, we're not giving up. We're not letting up. And so Paul's writing back to him and saying, guys, you know, man... You know, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? You need to calibrate a little bit. Get to the center a little bit here. I'm glad you dealt with it. But now he's talking about forgiveness. Look at this in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgive it, your, uh, forgive it, your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Now, I'm reading that. There's a lot before that. But just for the sake of time, I just wanted you to see the context of this next, next verse. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. I just wanted to read the context of that. Lest Satan should get a, uh, an advantage of us, uh, we're not ignorant of his devices. What's the context? Church relations. A brother or sister. And folks, let me tell you something. You know what the, church with, you know what the problem with churches are? People. People like you, people like me. Amen? Uh, that's the trouble sometimes. And, uh, and listen, uh, people are wonderful when they are spirit-led and surrendered and humbled, but every last one of us have the ability to let Satan get an advantage of us one way or the other. And I'm glad for that. You, know you know one reason why God's given the victory in this church the way He has and will continue to do? Because of, because of soldiers like you. It's because of soldiers like you that have stayed vigilant. <laughs> We have, I tell you, the reason this church has gone like it's gone is because we have some vigilant soldiers out there. We have some vig vigilant soldiers that when all of a sudden, when they begin to sense the attack going on in their lives, they say, wait, wait, wait. What do you say, Ralph? I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that lady. I'm not going to be that young person. Yeah, somebody's really getting on my nerves and I want to give them a piece of my mind. Somebody's, you know, whatever. Somebody's hurt me. The posture of the Christian life, folks, looks a lot like this. I've said this before. This is the posture of a Christian. We're open. Man, I'm open to you. 
I love you. I want to let you in. I want to help you. I want to share Christ with you. This is the posture of the Christian. But there's one big problem with having this kind of posture. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people in here that's experienced it. Your heart's exposed. Your heart's exposed. How many of you have had your heart broken? How many of you had your heart stabbed? How many of you have, uh, you said, well, no, what? They, they got my heart, but they got it from behind. Amen. A lot of us. A lot of us. And you know where we go from there? And there's still, there's still some, but I'm glad, aren't you glad God's doing a work in you? Because I'm telling you what happened to me when that happened to me. Not again. I'm going to serve Christ. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep doing, but I'm telling you, Sorry. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to get close to you. I'm going to be friendly. But you, are, you will not be able to get my heart because I'm not giving you my heart. I'm not giving you access to my heart, Dan. Sorry. Because as soon as I do, you're going to rip it out. As soon as I do, I'm going to get stabbed again. As soon as I do, I'm going to get hurt again. And so my posture was like this. But I started finding out something. This posture isn't only for giving out. This posture is also for, for receiving from the Lord. And I'm telling you, when I was like this, I wasn't receiving from the Lord like I needed to. I wasn't getting that inflow of the Spirit of God where the Bible says uh, the Spirit shall be like rivers of water flowing in your bellies. I mean, listen, I was, I was stopping it up. I was stopping up the power. And so slowly I started saying, okay, okay, I'm, I'm going to open up again. I'm going to do it. Here I go. And now by God's grace, this is the way I live my life. Amen. And uh, you know why? Because God's grace is sufficient. Amen? And when we do get wounded, and let me, let me tell you something, when we get wounded, when we get hurt, you know, let me tell you something about church people, and this is something young people need to understand as well. It's, it's with every one of us, whether you're young, whether you're old. Sometimes I'm an idiot. Anybody else? Yeah. <laughs> All right? Sometimes my attitude's not right. And I'll tell you something. I believe if you hang around long enough, you're going to get hurt. Now here's the thing about getting hurt. I believe the hurt that I've received here, any of it, that you, you can get hurt unintentionally. You can get hurt, and let me tell you something, you can get hurt and, and, and when, when um, it can just simply be something silly, like maybe, maybe I was really excited to see Derek tonight. And I go up and I'm like, hey Derek, and blah, blah, blah. And Derek seemingly ignores me altogether. Okay. Huh. What's going on with Derek now? I'll tell you what's going on with Derek. Derek was in another conversation. Amen. Derek didn't even, there was a lot of other talking going on. He didn't even perhaps even hear me come up. And then later he might have thought, hey, did, did Jesse come up and try to speak to me tonight? I, I can't remember. But then, next come, then but my mind gets to go and see because Satan works in our minds. Lest Satan get an advantage of us. We, we, we open up a little hole. Yeah. We open up a space in our lives. Huh. You know, I bet I know what it is. I bet Derek. <laughs> See, I bet, you know, probably Derek, you know, come to think about it. He's probably, I bet he's kind of judging me over this one deal. Yeah. I bet Derek thinks he's better than me. Oh, come to, come to church next service. See Derek over there talking to Ron. I bet they're talking about me. Because <laughs> I came up and then they quit talking. That's because it wasn't up my business what they were talking about, okay? But I'm thinking, huh. Now all of a sudden, next service rolls around and there's Derek. And I'm acting weird toward Derek. And now that I'm acting weird toward Derek, Derek all of a sudden starts acting weird toward me. Because he's like, man, he's acting weird. 
And then I come in and I, I, I come straight up over here to this one of these and then I sit here like this. Then at the end of the service, I'm like, Derek didn't even come speak to me. <laughs> well, didn't nobody want to speak to you, Jack? Uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, then Derek starts thinking, well, I wonder what's going on there. You know what? I bet. I'm telling you, I'm not joking with you tonight. That's the way, that's, it's little things like that is how it gets in. And then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden we have a vote, we, we start talking about carpet. Then all of a sudden Derek says, I want pink carpet. And I'm like, man, I love pink carpet. But by God, Derek, no, we're going with brown. Yeah, that's right. These are colors we're thinking about, by the way. Um, we'll vote on it later. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? Then all of a sudden this is where stupid stuff comes in. But I'm telling you, it starts small. Don't let Satan get an advantage of you. Be humble. Be the person that's going to say, you know what? I was wrong. Watch your. See, the thing is, I've got a right. I've got a right. This person said something to me or, or they acted a certain way, so I've got a right to say something back. I've got a right for revenge. I've got a right for all these things. Man, we need to be wise. Amen? Um, okay, so we need to be on, on guard uh, against, those, uh, against his capable deceivers and against his countless demons. Um, I mentioned already about the... The maniac of Gadara. Man, that dude was under the control of some... A, a Roman legion with 6,000 soldiers. Good news is, there's hope. Amen? Religion couldn't bind him. Rehab couldn't bind him. Medication could not bind him. But I'm telling you, listen, uh, none of those things helped, but Jesus made a miracle just like that. Amen? Next time you saw the man, he had on clothes. Somebody say amen right there. He had on clothes. Amen? He was properly covered. And he was sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed and in his right mind. Amen. 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 And so, listen, uh, just like that, there's hope. Amen? Amen. There's power, child of God. Be strong in the Lord Amen. and in the power of His might. If you've opened up doors, close those doors. Amen. Amen. If you don't be a hole, put a lid on it. Amen? Watch your mouth. Watch your thoughts. I mean, bring them to Christ. Amen. But there's hope. There's hope. There's hope. There's hope. And so, the admonitions that Paul gave that Satan, he's a strong enemy, and that we need the power of God to be able to stand against him, never underestimate the power of the devil, but he's not to be compared to the power of God. Amen? Uh, and, and now, he's not compared to a lion, a dragon just for fun. The book of Job tells us, we, Chad kind of alluded to this earlier, the book of Job tells us what his power can do to a man's body. A man's home, a man's wealth, a man's friends. Now, remember, none of these could happen unless God allowed it. God lifted up the hedge. The only reason that God would ever do that, because He knows He's going to give you what you need to make it through. But you need to depend on Him and trust Him. Trust His love. Trust His grace. I mean, I think about my dear wife right now, man. And I, I tell you all this all the time, but it breaks my heart. And as I was praying for her tonight, she's feeling so uh, poorly. And I, I was praying for her. And, and always when I pray, I always say, Lord, I just love her so much, please. And, and, but, but the Lord, every time I say that, because there was a time I was praying that, and without realizing it, there was almost, I was almost, there was almost an implication somewhere in my heart as if God didn't love her. I didn't say that. I don't know if I really thought that. But I just caught myself and I was like, Lord, I love her so much. Would you just please, please give her some relief. Please heal her. And it just dawned on me right there. God spoke to my heart. 
I love her way more than you ever could. Amen? And he does. So every time I pray for her, I say, I love her. And the Lord just reminds me, I love her much more than you. Amen? Amen? Amen. And he loves you. He loves you. He that, he, he that spared not his own son, but gave him up freely, how, how much we not also give us all things. So if he allows these things, which he will into our lives, sometimes it's our own ignorance. But even then, God's grace is sufficient. Aren't you glad for that? Well, preacher, I got myself in this old mess. Uh, yeah, well, you may have to pay some consequences, but I'm glad God will still get you out, amen, or get you through. Yes. Amen. And so, uh, he's able to still kill and destroy, but Jesus gives life, amen. Not only is Satan strong, but he's wise, he's subtle, uh, and we fight against the wiles. Wiles mean cunning, crafty arts, stratagems. The Christian uh, cannot... Um, uh, uh, ignore these things. Uh, he, he lies in wait to deceive. But behind everything, uh, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He tries to blind men. But the good news is this. Even though he is a formidable enemy and we in our, of ourselves stand no chance against him, I'm telling you, we do not live in fear. We do not live in cowardice. Praise God, we hold our heads up high because we're strong in the Lord. Amen. And the power of His might. And I'm telling you, though He may be more than a match for us, He is no match. He and His emissaries are no match for our God. And if God lets Satan or any of His enemies or any of His uh, emissaries, any of His imps, any of His demons get within 100 miles of me, if they ever breathe their stanky breath on me, there's only one way they could possibly do it, and that's if God allows it. And if God allows it, I'm telling you, He's going to give you what you need to get through now let me tell you something you may get to the point to where you're thinking oh my goodness i don't know if i'm going to make it but i'm telling you right on time you'll find jesus amen right on time right on time amen i mean listen he is no match for our savior amen he's no match for our god be strong in the lord we're more than conquerors through him that loved us amen who shall lay anything to the charge of god's elect I mean, man, listen, there's neither height nor depth nor any other creature that can separate us from the love of Christ. I mean, we are victors, amen. You are a conqueror. We've just got to claim that victory in Christ, amen. Well, let's all stand and we'll be dismissed in just a moment. I appreciate your patience tonight. And I wonder if uh, maybe Kim would come just play softly on the piano. I mentioned earlier that one of the greatest weapons we have in our spiritual warfare is prayer. Prayer and the Word of God. Let me tell you where it, where it starts. It starts with us humbling ourselves. It starts with us praying. You want to see God do something? Read the book of Daniel. Daniel prayed. And folks, he didn't just pray a little, now I'll lay me down to sleep prayer. Man, listen, he went to war. He went to the war room, amen? And I'm telling you, he prayed. And he prayed through. And I'm telling you, that's what we need to do, amen? We need to pray. You want to see God do something? Pray. You want to see a breakthrough? Pray. You want to see a soul saved? Pray. Hey, I've let Satan use me before. In one, in one conversation, Peter went from having a word from God to being called Satan. In one, he became a saint in Satan's service. We can all fall into that, but we've got to guard against it, amen? And if we get into that place, we've got to humble ourselves. Sometimes we need to be willing to take the loss, amen? We need to be willing sometimes to be done wrong. Was Jesus ever done wrong? And I believe He was. I believe He was done wrong. I believe He was betrayed. 
He didn't quit. Amen. Who's your enemy tonight? Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, Lord. And I'm thankful, God, because I stand here tonight with a group of victors. I really do. God, I stand here tonight with many warriors in battle. God, they've got the battle scars to show it. But by your grace, here they stand. Lord, and many as I speak, Lord, are right in the midst of a battle and they feel like they're losing. But God, just give them the courage to see where they are right now. See where they stand. They've got the high ground. They've got the victory. We've all got it, Lord. we just got to claim it. we just got to appropriate it. we just got to exercise it into our lives, dear Lord. Hallelujah. I want to thank you right now in advance for every victory that you're going to give. And I want to pause and thank you for every victory that you've given up to this point. There's nothing too hard for you. There's nothing impossible for you. Thank you, dear Lord, for that. In Jesus' name.